Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis of Include Software, Neil Glatt from Grow the Bench, Luke Melangran of Mariani Landscape, and Brett Lemke of RM Landscape. How are you doing today, guys? I'm great. Good. How, How are you doing, today? Miles? I'm great. We're all we're all looking much better earlier in the morning than after <laughs> after a day's a day's worth of work. Right eye and bushy tail. Yeah, that's right. Our right best ideas. Top. We're gonna get better ideas and better conversations this time of the day. That's hilarious. Um, so we got a guest today. Uh, Brett, do you mind doing the intro? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we have Paul Fran joining us, and, and, and he shared a bio. So I'm gonna read it verbatim because it's you know really cool stuff. But uh, CEO of Sun Valley Landscaping. Paul Franz leads the company's growth and strategy while maintaining their core values and operating in a way that would make his mom proud. Starting his business while completing his BS, BA at Creighton University, Paul purchased a $50 garage sale mower, employed his mother and one of his first part-time employee. He takes these early lessons and now applies them to grow his team of 55 landscape professionals. He is passionate about giving opportunities to others and influencing them to do things the Sun Valley way. Paul was recognized as Midlands Business Journal's 40 Under 40 in 2011 and currently serves on the board of directors for the National Association of Landscape Professionals. From the beginning, Paul has looked for ways to help the community while being a role model for his industry and the city he loves, Omaha. Welcome, Paul. We're excited to have you on today. Thank you, Brett. Special shout out to uh, my mom, my first employee. She just got out of surgery uh, last night. She's doing well. Um, so got to see her yesterday. Told her I was doing this and she was, uh, she was super happy about it. So oh, fantastic. thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Well, she's, uh, the question is, is she still currently employed? <laughs> she's retired. Not oh, okay. Her, I was gonna... her full-time job, but you know, uh-huh. from this job, she'll still give me some, uh, you know, some notes. So there could have been a real big story there. Like, wait, you had to fire your mom. That would have been the worst. Uh, yeah. that so how did you do that? That would have been the first topic we dove into. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. It honestly was a little awkward. I had to uh, say, mom, I, you know, I hired a landscaper. So um, this job, we're going we're gonna to go it alone. So it, it was, it was, it was a, there was a conversation there. Yeah. yeah. We often will hear uh, those that work with their spouses, right? Or any family that matter. They just... They, that moment they figure out it's not working, right? And of course, I don't right. think that's your story, Paul, but it's just like, okay, who's going to have that awkward conversation? Then what's it going to be like a dinner a couple hours later, right? So, right. but, uh, well, wild. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I'll share some fun stories about Paul throughout this whole thing. All appropriate stories. Okay, Paul, so you'd be fine right. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just to get to know Paul over the last few years, we served on the board for a short period of time. And, um, and what I, I, I like your passion, I was just excited about, and even in this bio that you provided, it's working hard, per, but the professional part of this, but then that community engagement and just what your, your, you know, your engagement in social media and what you're taking your business and doing beyond just, um, the service part of it. Really exciting. Yeah. I think we got to give a shout out to Omaha cause it's such a great city that nobody really knows about, right. Unless you're into college world series of baseball. Right, um, exactly. Or your your Gallup certified like I am, which was the reason I was there. But Omaha has one of the best zoos in the whole country, hands right. down, better than San Diego Zoo. And I'm from California, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, Omaha's a great city. We're we're super lucky to have uh, the community we have. We Gallup's one of our clients, so they have some signs around their campus about empowerment and motivation. 
employees, which I always find ironic because we're trying to do that with our company. Um, so yeah, we love it. And uh, thanks for having me guys. Speaking of service, what you guys are doing here is, is really cool. I, I was, before this talking about, it, I've been listening uh, and last night. I was trying to see, you know, what I was getting into. Ended up taking several pages of notes after uh, listening to a couple uh, of the recent podcasts. So thanks for what you guys are doing and having me. It's cool. Yeah, all that's mostly what you said, Miles said, right? You're just the, the big notes around all the things that came out of Miles about and the books he's been reading. <laughs> that's no. right. That's right. Yeah, we, we, all, we all have a giant list of books we need to pick up now that's right. from, yeah. from Miles every week. The only reason that I do that is because I get a giant list of books from the people that I interact with. And so all of a sudden you get like five books that you're reading at once. And it's like, this is not sustainable. I don't recommend it. But uh because <laughs> you only can really only read like maybe two at a time. So I'm not successfully doing <laughs> that at all, well at all. By the way, so that whole point is that I'm doing the hard work of filtering the bad books away so I can give just bring the good books here so you don't have to waste your time. You see? So, all right. So I'm curious about Paul's background here. Paul, uh, I know like we've hung out at, uh, at a whole bunch of events, but where, uh, when did you start up your company? When did that $50 purchase happen of your uh, garage sale mower? Right. So I've, I've had one other job in my life. I was a, a janitor at Creighton University from uh, age 14 uh, to 19. I was making five bucks an hour when I started. I got up to seven bucks an hour. But when you're a freshman in college, you start to pay for stuff, specifically, uh, you know, maybe bar tabs and things. Uh, and I didn't have enough money. So I, I brainstormed with my roommate one night. Uh, and we're like, we just need to do services. Uh, our first business that my roommate and I started was called You Name It. So we literally did, as the name implies, anything that we could. So we, we put flyers uh, in all of the professors' uh, mailboxes and on their cars, which was highly illegal for the uh, school rules. But we ended up doing things from mowing lawns to painting to even dog sitting for some of our profess professors. And that's really what started it the next year. Um, I kind of gravitated towards the green indus industry component, like mowing lawns uh, as as the bio says, that, that lawnmower lasted for two days. And then I had to uh, realize that I had to get, get a loan from my dad. And uh, we ended up uh, kind of starting business that way. So actually, my, my, the second year, my dad became my business partner. Um, back in those days, you could just go to the bank and say, I'm going to start a lawnmowing business. And they would give you a loan uh, with a handshake. And uh, that's kind of how we got started. That's pretty cool. So, uh, so second year, your dad's a business partner. Is he still a business partner? Uh, so he's not. So uh, one lesson I learned from that, I was 19. I had no idea what 51% you know, meant or even what a corporation, you know, really was all about. Uh, so my dad and I became business partners. I had no intention of this happening. I just wanted to go make some money. Um, so through college, we operated together. You know, it was just small. It was my buddies and, and guys that, you know, I had anticipated that they had mowed the lawn while I was in class and I would go and find out that they didn't. Uh, so I went and took care of that. Similar story that a lot of us have. Uh, but he and I continued that for, let's see, about uh, about seven years as partners. We grew to about a million dollars of revenue. Um, kind of like what we were talking about in the intro. Uh, you know, I wanted to have my dad as, as, as the relationship with my dad. And we, we were not meant to be business partners. So we were very opposite <laughs> on lots of things. Um, and so in, in 2012, which how we got to be Sun Valley Landscaping, uh, part of that was a, a buyout of my father and then I have a new partner now starting 2012 so it ended up being great he uh, you know he, he was able to make a, a good amount of money with it and now we have a bunch of these shared memories and kind of that 
that pain and growth right at the beginning of an entrepreneur that I get to share with my dad. So uh, it was it was really cool. I wouldn't change it. Uh, but you know, it was good that we're no longer partners. <laughs> What's the makeup of Sun Valley uh, business segments? So we have uh, we do uh, about a third of our business is maintenance. Um, about a third is landscape construction or enhancement, and then a third is a, a well, not quite a third, a little bit less is supply yard. Uh, so we have a supplier that sells materials and products to other contractors and the general public. Uh, more recently, that's kind of been our historical split, but we're definitely growing in the maintenance component. Maintenance and snow make up about 50% uh, now. So I kind of misspoke, but um, that's where we're heading. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what, where we're at right now. Nice. And uh, what percentage of your employees are young professionals? So 40 and under. Right. Yeah, I kind of listened to your guys' stuff. We've, we've generally hired mostly young professionals. Uh, I would probably guess, I should have looked that up. I'm going to guess 75, 80% under 40. Um, so, you know, I started this when I was 19. My general manager, Ashley Miniman, she's uh, my same age, and she came on nine years ago. Uh, so her and I, along with a few other key employees, have really grown this up. I like to give my business partner uh, crap because he's, you know, not, not the same age, we'll say. He's a little older. Uh, but we've generally kind of gravitated towards the young professionals. And, um, you know, you always think you're at the age where you know what you're talking about. So, you know, when we were 30, we're like, we're going to hire 30-year-olds. Now I'm 38. I don't want to hire 38-year-olds. But um, there's been something to it. I think that's why we've grown fairly aggressively, been super agile, and a little bit kind of forward thinking in our business philosophy uh, in terms of, you know, holistic business practice like multi-stakeholder approach as opposed to just making my partner and I a bunch of money. Uh, that just, that was just natural. That's just how I, you know, I grew up and, and community service aspect. Those are just, I didn't know any other way. So, um, you know, I think that was the benefit of starting when you're so young. So I get the sense that you've kind of experienced ups and downs of being in a partnership uh, arrangement, right? And um, I'm in a similar boat. I've got an older partner um, not my dad, but my ex father-in-law, which is its own interesting Ooh. dynamic. And, right. uh, yeah, but he's cool. I'm cool. It works out. But, um, curious, just kind of expanding, like why, obviously you value having a business partner as do I, right. But can right. you share like what it is about it that's different and, um, in my opinion, advantageous compared yeah. to owning the company outright. For sure. Well, I, I kind of go back to answer that question. Uh, 2011, I, I was really stressed out. I was working uh, 12 to 14 hours a day. I was not getting along with my dad. We had some, you know, we'd struggle to make payrolls. Uh, and Hugh, who's my current partner, he owned uh, what is the supply yard here. So I would buy materials from him. He's also a landscape architect, uh, whereas I just mostly mowed lawns. So he was really a mentor for me. So I remember my first landscape job, was, 100% true story. I showed up in a like a $2,500 old Kiwit pickup. There was more rust than paint. Uh, and I said, I need a whole, you know, whole bunch of dirt or whatever. I wanted four tons in this one ton little pickup, right? And he's like, hey, let me let me talk to you for a minute. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What's this job? Show me your estimate. I'm like, what estimate, you know? Um, so anyway, he, he, my partner taught me a lot about uh, how to do things correctly. Um, and uh, fortunately, he, he, he saw something in me that could grow his business. So I kind of had from his component that, that knowledge, his business was always profitable, um, get a different kind of 
outlook on, on business and his was real steady, but mine was growing. So when we combine those two things, right, it kind of created this, this synergy that is Sun Valley landscaping right now. Um, but in terms of like the, the pros, you know, you can always count on your other partner to be a high producer, right? You don't have to question if this person's an A player, you probably wouldn't have went in business with them if you didn't. And as you guys know, you know, A players don't just produce a little bit more, you know, you're talking these, these people produce twice as more than as, as much as another person may. Um, and then just that support, we, we, 2018 was the, the only year we had ever lost money as a business. And I was really down on myself. And, uh, you know, the, the person that had my back the most was my business partner. Now, you know, he probably couldn't leave because <laughs> he's my business partner. But that trust and that, you know, hey, shake it off. This was one bad year um, is what really propelled me to be able to go forward. And now we've had two excellent years after that. So those would probably be the pros uh, in my experience. Yeah, I, I, you know, partners, just the idea of just surrounding yourselves with, you know, um, those thought pe people that will help move this along, right? You, you need it. And to go it alone is just a, is a risky is a risky business, right? Equity partners are just those that will help lead uh, essential um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. You spread the risk out a little bit. You know, we, I, I just got married as we were talking about and, and my wife and I were comparing our, you know, our personal financials and it's, it occurs to me how deep I am in like the green industry, right? Obviously my business is my biz, biggest uh, asset. Um, but if you're able to diversify that a little bit with a partner, so we've had times where we've put money in, we've had times where we've, you know, been able to take distributions out, it just gives you that flexibility financially, uh, to your point, I guess, and lets you be more strategic, uh, going to get a loan is, is better with two people and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, there's definitely cons to it, but you know, there's a, there's a bunch of pros. It just, for him and I, it started with our initial conversation. It was just all about core values. So we knew if we, if we aligned on those, the other, challenges and, and things that were going to come up, we could probably work through. And, and that's, that's really where it started. Yeah. I, I think it's really cool when the partners are different in age and come from different backgrounds. Um, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, I have a partner and we're working side by side, but there's times where he'll play the role of mentor or business coach for me. And um, of course I appreciate that, but I'm also, you know, if I hired my own business coach, I'd probably like dodge a call or maybe not, you know, rely on them as much when it's your partner. They're like, they're calling you up, right? You're having those meetings. you always have to talk about good, bad, or otherwise what's going on. And I think that that really serves as a catalyst for, for growth. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, it, just honesty, truth circle here, you know, at the beginning we, we had a real hard time with communication. Um, so we got our businesses together. Things were going really well. Uh, but you, you, you make a plan for, you know, at the time we had 20 employees, we were doing a couple million bucks. Uh, and we talked about, you know, what are we going to do in six months or a year? Maybe what we didn't talk about is in eight years when you have, you know, two and a half times and three times the revenue, you know, what's going to be your HR policies or your strategic direction, or how do you handle debt? You know, all these kind of things that, um, we just got really head down in the business. The thing that really helped us was, well, one, we did have a coach between the two of us, but we, we adopted the traction, uh, EOS system, which has that, those one-on-ones, the same page meetings. And him and I have, we started this about three years ago. Uh, it is like a sacred meeting once a month, him and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk and we're going to go through our issues. 
took us a long time to, to get honest with each other, you know, because there's just certain things you, you don't, you'd rather not go through all the, the pain of the conflict. Um, but when you get to the other side, it's just like, why the hell did I wait so long to, you know, say what's on my mind or talk to my partner about what bothers me. Um, and so our, our relationship is substantially uh, is better now. And, you know, a little bit different than your experience, Neil, like I'm the one that's usually calling, you know, hey, we got to talk about this. Um, but having that forced meeting has really, uh, has really changed our relationship. Have you rolled out that standing meeting with your GM or other key managers who report to you too? Yeah, absolutely. So Ashley and I, before we did traction, we had what we call a sticky note meeting. That meant her and I, we had basically an hour a week and all you could do is write down things on a sticky note. And the idea was, you know, you're only going to be able to fit, you know, five things on there. So you have to bring your most important stuff. Uh, and that was super effective. Her and I, on the other hand, are very aligned. We're very similar, very driven, uh, outward uh, emotional expression. So we get we, we didn't have too much of that issue. Her and I was almost like, we're going to talk about too much and not stay focused. Um, so her and I have that, all of our direct reports. We, we used to be really good at the one-on-ones. Uh, lately, without the office, we've been more in group meetings. I still do, you know, one-on-ones with Zoom uh, when needed. Uh, but lately the meetings, I guess, just something I thought about. We haven't been as good at, at that without anybody here. Um, so probably something to revisit. It takes a lot of discipline to do that. I mean, it it's does. so much, it's so much time, right? Um, when, when I talk with people who are thinking about hiring me and I tell them, listen, the cost, the, the, the dollar amount, the check you write is not the big cost here. It's the fact that I'm going to require you to spend an hour a week with each of your direct reports no matter what. So let's get that straight before we talk about the check. It's like, that's a wake up call for people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, you think within, within our industry, how many people just, whether it's something like this, these one-on-one -on -one meetings or uh, other items related to running a business, they kind of just fluff it off at the end and say, well, getting out here and getting this job done or, or doing this is far more important than, than having those one-on-one -on -one meetings and uh, working on, you know, growth development and trying to resolve issues within your company. Absolutely. And I think our, our human instinct is to do those one-on-ones and help the, the people that are struggling the most because, you know, the other people, they're getting their job done, they're doing good. What I've learned is like the more time you give to the best performers, again, back to that same concept of like production from an A player, you know, almost give more attention to the people that are really killing it because then they're going to just go and take more, expand their, you know, uh, what they can handle. Ashley's a great example. She started um, kind of as like our business. She was, she was the only administrative person when we first started answering the phone, doing the billing, all that stuff. Now she's running the company day-to-day -day production. Um, I, I'm confident that if I wouldn't have spent the time with her for her and I to get on the same page, that wouldn't have happened. Um, so giving it to, you know, to best people too, because those are the ones we tend to, to put off. Can you imagine if like our crew leaders did that with our crew guys, you know, Hey, even if it's 15 minutes, but let's like, let's just have a chat because they just, they get passive aggressive. They're out working. They're like, that guy just can't, he just can't do the job. And they probably haven't even spoke to each other. Right. So I always just think about that. I somehow got to get that down to the crew level. It is becoming, uh, I think we've talked about that a little bit more too, is, is that, that leadership level in the, in the field has the, probably the most upward potential for all of us. And I think Landcare was talking about sort of how they're developing that in a pilot program with certain branches. And uh, it has been this underlying theme. And we may be 
maybe onto something or find the trends of where to like sort of crack the code here. But um, it's just putting everybody together to get their heads all around that piece. It's, it'll just, it'll just take off. Yeah. And it, if it's like us, we're short and we're in a rush and we want to produce X goals. So you just, it starts with me. I really got to pause or reflect on that more next year. Yeah. I was, uh, I was actually reflecting on this the other day. Um, let's write down some of my thoughts about, you know, business systems and processes, because that's kind of what we're getting at with pushing that down to the crew, the crew level. Um, and I guess any process works if it provides value to the person who's has to input, put the input into the process, right? Like that crew leader has to have some sort of value given out for the effort that he's putting into like holding accountable his crew member. Right. And I just remember when I was a crew leader, I was like, I, I never had that conversation with my, the guy who I worked with. I was like, and there's only one other guy who was working with me. And I, so, because like, you just get so focused. So I don't know if like, we're going to brainstorm about that. It, you have to see like what value and what actually matters to the crew leader to, for them to say like, to, for once a week for them to catch up with the people that they're in charge of. And like, how do you, at least make it really easy for them to to do that. Like whether it's like an automated reminder or something. And then you can start seeing like the difference saying like, Hey, if you follow up with your crew member, this is what happens, right? You get paid more because you're more efficient or, you know, like we, the company wins, you get like, so I don't know. I think it's a really interesting discussion. I, we should think about that more. <laughs> and I think where a lot of people is that they, they go wrong because they bail too early. Right. Like, yeah, I had a couple conversations and I didn't see any results. And it's like, well, you're not going to see overnight results and your skills probably aren't where they need to be to ask good questions or at the very least, you probably don't have a good enough relationship yet. And that's just going to take time. And uh, I asked a mentor um, a while ago, I said, when you come into a brand new team, how long do you think it takes to build that really good relationship before you can actually start producing, right? Because you got to have a relationship before you can get to that that gold production level and he's an old guy and he said probably a year and he has the experience to back that up and i was like you have to give a year to a team or to a new process before you you start to get the results and i'm like that blew my 26 year old mind when i asked him you know <laughs> um because i'm like I, who has that kind of time to wait around and uh man the more i do it the more i think that it's it's pretty close it's tough with the, the crew level too, because, you know, we run, we run pretty small crews, two, maybe three man. So really the reward you get for, for teaching your number two to be really good is that he leaves and runs his own crew. So we, we used to have, uh, we used to be highly incentivized at the crew level. So each crew leader would be incentivized weekly by production goals and quality goals. Uh, we, one of our core values is everyone is an owner. So we, we ran a year of uh, basically entrepreneurs everywhere is what we called it. The idea was you run this truck, this is your business. And if you do well, you're going to make some money. And it was all directed at the crew leader. Me thinking they're going to, you know, get their people up to speed and, you know, want to fight for all. But human nature, right? They're going to want that bonus. They're going to want the best person. They're going to get rid of the one that doesn't do it. Uh, so I totally failed. You know, it was a, it was an experiment that, that failed. Uh, and now we have all team goals. So there is like divisional. So say all the lawn crews or whatever together. But I've noticed that they are more apt to say, hey, your second guy isn't as good at whatever, a commercial, you know, full weekly service account. Maybe I should switch them over to this residential crew. And they're talking a little bit more. So 
um, I don't know, it's kind of a tangent, but it was just that human motivation piece of like, um, what's in it for you, right? Miles, that's kind of what you're getting at. So aligning that with the company. So how does that work tactically then? I'm kind of curious on like how that. So So the divisional piece. Um, So they all have, uh, so basically I've just earned revenue. We switched to a, uh, Allison, a big reader, and I, I struggled with the great game of business for a long time with, uh, I don't know if you guys have read that, but just the, the idea is, uh, you know, everybody essentially is in it for the company profit sharing. They actually are ESOP, so they have equity too. Um, but the idea is like, we're all in it together. So we either all win or we all fail together. Uh, and so we've switched to something more similar to that. Each division has their goals, but their primary way they make money is if the company uh, hits their profit, hits our profit. Um, but they, they, they meet and they strategize and they do the traction process in divisions. Now we don't have it down to the crew level, but all the supervisors and things like that bring that to them. I don't know how well that's working because I haven't seen my guys very often this year, but, uh, if the numbers and satisfaction and things like that are any indication, it's working pretty well. Yeah. So that's, uh, Jack Stack. Um, the great game of business, right? Open book management yep. uh, is the other one or the, or the process that comes from that. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious because we were talking on the Facebook group um, just a little bit ago. Do you, have you rolled that out to the construction side too? Do you, you do design build construction? Yeah. Have you rolled that out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and funny story on open book. So again, I didn't know any better. The first day Ashley worked, second day I should say, I sent her all of our financials and said, this is where we're at. Uh, so I've been open book from day one because I just didn't know any better. Uh, now we obviously have better controls now of like, you know, salaries and things like that. But anyway, uh, we, we used to do that same sort of incentive. So each crew, uh, essentially, if you think about the year, they're supposed to bill. Uh, I think Mark, um, LMN, Mark kind of got this from you're, you're supposed to produce X amount of hours. And if you beat those, you essentially get a bonus for each hour above. Uh, so it if you're supposed to do 2000, you do an 1800 and get 2000 bucks is, is the sim- simple way to put that. Um, so we did do it that way. It just, there's too many moving parts and it just created all these silos. So um, instead of the, the teams being on the same team, they were literally competing against each other. I felt like and um, it worked. We had a really profitable year the first year we did it. And then the second year was actually that year I was alluding to. I don't know if that had anything to do with our drop in performance, but uh, we scrapped it that year because it just, some guy was getting a bonus while the company is losing money. That, that made no sense to me, you know? So uh, that's why we got rid of it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause we're, we, we rolled out a, an incentive program um, this year for our maintenance team. And it's more just geared towards strictly the quality of the work that they're doing and they have a way to earn um you know some extra money basically each month as long as they hit those that quality um where i think it's causing some issues is we're not judging them on their you know performance as far as you know hours management and keeping track of the budget you know, some certain jobs tend to inflate because they're they're looking at it and going well i want to make sure this job is perfect so i can earn this extra money but then we're talking now too about trying to roll it into other divisions within our company and <clears throat> similar it's you know if we just base it off of the 
profitability of a job, the guys are going to, we're concerned that the guys are going to start cutting corners, uh, trying to speed things up, you know, not doing that quality job that we want to do. And then, yeah, it's just, it's going to create an issues and, and I think tension within the company because everybody's out there just trying to work towards that bonus. Yeah. Has uh, Mariani always had a like crew level or divisional type of incentive or was it all for one, one for all type of thing in the past? So in years past, we've always done a pretty much everybody, you know, crew leader, crew member level at the end of the year, always got a bonus. Uh, pretty much no matter what, we gave them a bonus. Um, but then that started causing issues and it's kind of like, well, you know, like you said, the company's maybe not doing as well as we had hoped, but yet we're still paying these guys out a bonus. So now we, we still have a bonus that they can earn, but now we, um, if they have issues on job sites, you know, write-ups, missed attendance, all sorts of things like that, we created a virtual wallet where if, as they get, um, you know, like corrective action notices for certain things, they start to lose and deduct money from that bonus at the end of the year. Um, so I think on like the crew leader level, they would get, uh, I want to say like 400 bucks or so, but as you get, you know, dings against you and the, and as that, the severity of that, um, issue goes up, you know, if you're like fighting or, or break a piece of equipment or something, you are going to lose more money from your bonus than you would if you, you know, aren't in proper uniform, for example, um, and so this year, though, that we started this, you know, we're, we're calling it like a site performance review. And basically our client reps go around once a month and they walk through that site because they still need to get there every year or once a month to just do a, an overall assessment. We want to be in contact with our clients at a minimum once a month. And so they rank that site on a different series of um, standards for the quality. And as long as the crew leader hits a three out of four average for all of those, all of their sites overall, then they earn an extra bonus at the end of the month. And it ranges anywhere from 150 to $250, depending upon the time of the year. And they would earn that monthly from May through November. So, I mean, crew leader level, I mean, they have the opportunity to earn damn near 1500 bucks extra throughout the year, I want to say with their incentives and their bonuses that they can, they can earn. And majority of it has to be earned now versus just a free handout, so to speak. Yeah. This, this stuff keeps me up at night, literally, because I've tried almost everything and it's uh, well, the, the answer is probably it's different for every single person and you're trying to make a, a company policy. So it's really difficult. Christmas bonus is like, I think it's just because I've never had a job somewhere else or something, but like that is, it's, it's the same as when you have a review, you think you automatically get a raise. Those two things of like entitlement, like drive me absolutely insane. And sorry, staff, if you're listening. Uh, but you know, I want you to earn that extra part. One, you're going to feel way better because you earned it. And you know, two, it, it makes the company better. So anyway, we, I, it's almost like whenever we hire a new person and it comes to Christmas and, they, and there's no bonus, like, where's the Christmas bonus? It's like, I paid you that all year because I believed it. You know, I didn't want to hold it for you. I, I trusted you could budget your own money, you know? Um, well, but yeah. this year, the one we're, the one we're doing, and uh, it, it goes real similar with, with the great game of business. But essentially, if you think of a big pot, so if we hit X percent of profit, that pot gets bigger. So we'll just call it, we're hoping we're going to do 30,000 bucks. That, and that's a lot for us. 
Um, so basically you have this pot and then you're going to split it up based on several factors. One is their role. So, you know, the GM is going to earn more than the first of labor. And then two is how long they've been with us. Uh, so those are two factors. And then it goes with your salary. So if you make a lot to begin with, that's going to weight your bonus higher. And then there's one subjective component, the fourth component, which would do with safety and efficiency, um, training, which we've really struggled with this year. But those are that's kind of how that one works. So it's it's a team bonus, and then it's divvied up based on some of the things you talked about, Luke. So we'll see how it works. Yeah, it was always you know being on the the you know supervisory level for us. It was always um, you know spending time with other team members on that same level. It was always a, you know, a, a hot button issue where, uh, cause for us as, and that higher level, in order for us to earn any sort of incentive, we have to hit those, we have to hit certain goals from a profitability stand uh, level from managing hours and all that sort of stuff. And the sales team in turn has to also hit their goals in order for us to get something. So, um, you know, I think, for us, it's it's been nice to have that little bit of a change where now it's, okay, everybody can earn an incentive and everybody's going to earn a different amount, but everybody has to, to earn that. It's not it's not a, just a free gift at the end of the year. It's it's an earned incentive. Yeah, I like to look how you're, you're doing monthly check-ins. So I've done um, a lot of research on commission basis for salespeople um, because that's usually who I end up managing. And when the peer performance period is too long and somebody starts to lag behind, then they just give up, right? So if it's monthly instead of yearly, every month's a new start to go out there and, and meet your goal. But what's also really interesting is there's a whole very robust body of research that shows when you tie a monetary award to an outcome, creativity goes down. And, um, you know, creativity is really, it, it, there's only people can only work so hard, right? And I usually show up with the assumption that, hey, people are working basically as hard as they can. We might be able to make them run an extra, you know, a little harder one day, but that's not sustainable, right? They're either working or they're not. Um, and so your, your real advances in profitability are probably going to come from creative solutions rather than production solutions. And I've had the opportunity to tour Caterpillar's facilities in North Carolina and they're huge on this. They require all of their people um, multiple times per week to submit new ideas to make the, pr the process safer, more efficient. And when you're touring, um, they'll be like, yeah, this is Joe. He came up with the idea for this lift so we can access the engine this way. And it's way faster. And Joe's like super proud about that, obviously. And they actually dock pay from their supervisors or their managers uh, if ideas aren't being submitted regularly enough. And I'm talking like five, 10 ideas every couple of weeks that they're requiring. And um, it's interesting to me that, that creativity and monetary rewards are going to be at odds. One of my uh, mentors, and this is a, a dream of mine, and maybe you guys have seen it in our industry, but his, uh, his company is called Wausau Building Supply, Wausau, Wisconsin. Uh, started really small. They made doors and windows and stuff. And then they ended up uh, basically being able to supply a whole house worth of the actual, you know, parts and pieces, lumber and, and roofing and all that kind of stuff. He start, he took it over from a previous owner and created it as an ESOP, uh, employee shareholder owned company. And he told me that, that all these questions, because this is what I would ask him about every time I saw him. Uh, 
how do you motivate people? How does this all work? And he said all this just basically went away when they had a little piece in it. They could see that their their work throughout the year increased their equity, their net worth, um, and they just started to get this different mindset on like growth is good for all of us. You know, we have to make a profit. Um, I owe it to my team to perform because we literally this all goes to our family at the end of the year. Um, so that's my dream, and I know that there's a lot that goes into doing that. But um, yeah, have you guys seen that in our industry or? I think the greenery oh. does it. The greenery um, does it. I, I, thought I, I thought I heard, um, and I could be wrong, but I thought I heard on uh, another podcast, I thought Rupert has something along those lines too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Davy Tree Service, and they're, Davy's public, but Davy, um, uh, I know with Davy Tree Service, like their compensation package has a pretty generous like stock, stock uh, equity actual physical equity that's paid out in their compensation too. So like whenever they're recruiting people, like that's always a big drive is like, Hey, you get a piece of the company as part of stock options and their stock price has, I haven't looked at it recently, but you know, it's been pretty stable. So yeah, those are some pretty big names there. On, on a simpler level than, you know, equity ownership. Um, my experience in, in B2B sales in this space was, I was doing sales and account management. So I was touching kind of lots of the business and I was compensated commission on total sales um, provided some key profitability metrics were made. And I was always able to operate with very long-term views as a result. Um, I would see, you know, a situation come up and I'd be like, we got to, we got to save this client because they're going to spend, you know, 10 X next year and the year after and the year after that. And, and I was fortunate to learn about the lifetime value of the client and operated from that capacity because I was incentivized in that way rather than just the sales I would make in a given season. That's awesome. I was just saying I am enjoying this conversation um, because it, it, the effort and the directions in the right area, we're all looking to try to lift you know, a, a field level production person, you know, it all, it has benefit to the company and an ownership level. But I think the, what I know about all of us here, it's about helping living wages, helping people get a better uh, start in a career. And of course, a lot of the roles and opportunities we have in our company are entry level or, um, you know, hourly positions and these kind of movements, if, the, if we can help educate our people, our teams, to think about be it ownership level or equity uh, or just how hard work can have a direct effect to you, be it monetary or role. Um, it, it's, it's what they need. It's what they're looking for, right? They're, you know, we'll often hear, oh, I, I left for 50 more cents. Um, and, and, and I think the deep down of that is, well, I, I've got to find the next opportunity to, to make better for my family instead of just, uh, you know, it's just 50 cents. And so, um, I, I'm, we've been, I was listening to HBR does an idea cast podcast, got 24 minute one about breaking down bureaucracy and they says, uh, sort of building up, uh, workers. And it's this whole conversation here and it's just 24 minutes of this. And I'm going to send it to some team uh, members here because it's just, you, you need to constantly keep this in your head to what Paul is saying. It's this is if it doesn't keep you up at night, you're never going to really do anything about it. And if, and this is the biggest one, I think that, um, we, we, we have, we've taken people and promoted them from the field into management roles and they get excited about what they're doing. We cannot promote everybody in the field to a management role, but they can make a, 
much better living and to do that we wouldn't need near as many people we could have much more efficiencies um i don't think the start is to pay everybody more money right off the bat and and then watch their productivity grow that's just gonna not happen and like in even was it uh minimum wage here in New York will be $15 in a few years. And so I'm going to be paying people more money and they're just going to, I don't see that being the motivating factor, but uh, I have to make sure by the time we get to 15, that the people we're hiring, even at that minimum wage um, has a real sense of what their responsibilities and their opportunities are, or they're just going to, we're going to be paying a lot more money for less, you know, less work. I had, Oh, sorry, Paul. No, I just, that story, I, I just, uh, one of my favorite, what, what keeps me or what gets me going in every morning is that, you know, uh, I've started with like a, uh, I know privilege is a buzzword, but it's absolutely true. I started with a very nice lot in life. I started this business because, you know, I got a partial scholarship, but my parents were paying for me to go to college. My dad gave me a loan. You heard in my story, all those advantages I have. And like, that's the part that motivates me. That's what I really love about this industry is we get to start with people, as Brett alluded to, that, that don't have those things or just kind of you're working working for people that, that want to do better in life. Uh, I just thought I'd share my favorite story. I always share it with my guys over here is one of our employees came in, he was facing a bankruptcy. He was a farmer, uh, or his family was, and, and it didn't go well. And anyway, he came into me, didn't have a driver's license actually at the time and just said, I am a really hard worker and I need a job. And I hired him on the spot. And now he's been able to buy a house. He got married just to kids. Like when I see his pictures and stuff, it's like, damn it. I, I want to repeat that a hundred times or 200 times. Cause that's like that real impact I can make on the world. And uh, you know, we're so lucky we get to do that through our businesses. So I just, I just thought I'd mention that as like, that's what, that's what, that's the whole reason I do this. It's it, there's very little other reason to, for me to do it. Yeah. And, and to that point, right. It's so much more about, the growth and developmental opportunities and being cared for as a person that's motivating to obviously we need to meet our, our, our needs, right. For our family. But um, the ideal, the best possible compensation plan isn't going to solve the problems. If you're not really invested in that person and working to grow them and get them to a level where, where they can produce. Right. And I think that Brett, to your point, as minimum wage increases, where I think, uh, 30% 30% of the state or 30% of the country is on track to be $15 an hour minimum wage right now. Like that's just going to make it harder for everybody. I think, right. Um, we need to start selling for, for higher money because it's going to put a crunch on everyone. I think it's like a professionalism thing too. Right. I mean, that's our whole goal is here is to increase the professionalism of the green industry as a whole. Right. So I think everyone here is, been part of that mission some way at NALP, right? And the more that we increase the professionalism, the more that, you know, better pay follows. That's like what, um, what, uh, uh, Joyce, um, is it Dave, Dave, Chris, Joyce. Chris, Chris, yeah. what Chris Joyce is saying, you know, he's saying that in, in, in so many words, right? We just got to increase the professionalism of the industry as a whole. And those kind of things will follow. Um, and that goes all the way down. So I, I just think it's interesting. The other, I, the other idea I wanted to share with you guys that I thought was interesting that I heard from a, a mentor of mine was uh, this whole carrot on a stick model. <laughs> so essentially uh, is, is uh, you know, when, when he, we were talking about his business and with his managers, at least, I'm curious on how you think this like would go down to the crew level potentially, but his managers, instead of giving him ownership, it's saying like, we have an exit strategy, right? To grow this business up here, up to this level. And my goal is to sell this business, right? And so when this business sells for 
however much money, you get a percentage of that, even though you're not an owner, right? So, but the, so it doesn't have to be an exit strategy, but I guess the, the idea that I pulled away from that is like, how often are we doing long-term planning in our business where we have a set goal where we're saying we're going to meet this. And if we meet this hard number, you know what your profitability is going to be. I mean, landscaping is, it's, it's relatively easy to figure out your cost, right. And project out your cost based off how much money and what your production hour goals are. So if you reach those like hard target goals as like an exit plan, you know, and then you say, okay, once you reach this, reach this point, you know, you should be able to bonus off of that after, you know, to encourage that long-term thinking, which I thought was interesting. So you're not giving away ownership as an owner, um, but you're also incentivizing in a very formal way saying, if you reach this point, I'm committing to paying you um, yeah. X amount of dollars. But that's more, and, but with that, to grow that, that ideally should encourage, you know, better values, better safety, because all that stuff does make you more profitable. Well, yeah. well and right? I, it's, uh, I think it's there. I think the struggle we're all trying to figure out is what's the right, how to direct it, right? Yeah. To yeah. motivate, not to attack each other, to build up. And it's that, what is that, uh, that, that perfect combination. And then it's a human element, right? And so then you just got to have culturally the right people to take on that challenge versus those that are just going to take it from a selfish perspective. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, we all have had that in our life. Let's score this goal. We win the game, right? Kind of perspective. It's just, you know, if you had the person says, well, I want to score the goal. So I'm the one that says we, I won the game. Like, oh, okay, we got to figure through that person too. So um, uh, it, it's just thinking through that piece. That's why there's a million books out on it probably. Right, right. We, uh, so one advantage of being a smaller single, uh, you know, single location operation is we get to tell great stories and, and it becomes personal. Uh, the thing I've noticed is like the people that have stuck with us the longest are motivated by what Miles is saying, the long-term stake in the ground. We have a, we have a physical one in our employee garden. We have like a little outdoor kitchen and fire pit and stuff. Underneath this gigantic boulder there, we buried a time capsule in 2012. And we said, we're going to open this thing up on 2024 and we want to be, you know, $10 million in size. We want to have this many full-time employees. There was a lot of cultural things that we wanted to, uh, you know, certain income levels, things like that. Um, but when I tell people this story and we, we wrote down actually what, it's kind of like a memorial on it. It's like a, a poem essentially that I wrote of what it looks like. And uh, when people get into it, that that's, they talk about the time capsule all the time. So I start every meeting with this thing of like, here's our time capsule. And if people get that, it's like, they won't leave for the 50 cents, but you know, is it, it's probably okay to just say goodbye to a, a good performer if he doesn't believe in that long-term thing, because he's not going to be there in 2024. So having something you can like physically tangibly look at and be making decision towards, it's like actually right outside my, my door here. So I think about it all the time. So something that might look different for other people, but uh, that really works for us. Brett's time to go bury some time capsules yeah, out there. Right? I, I have, we have, our property is about 50 acres. Uh, it's a wonderful property. We have like a, a big pond and some, uh, and my father's made it a bit of a retreat. It's an old tree nursery, made a bit of a retreat. So I'm actually just thinking like, I wonder what is actually buried out there. So there, could be, there could be a lot of whole things after 50 years of business, but I, I, I like the story that creates. And, and, and I think the, the statement of storytelling. We've we've recognized that my father, founder, uh, and and, a, and a, just a 
great storyteller. Like that's his role in our company. It is not to worry about, but he does like, why isn't that truck washed or where that dent come from? Cause it drives <laughs> bonkers. It is to share the stories of where he was um, and to where he's gone. He is a high engagement person for our people. Uh, a story that, that he, or something he's done. We haven't done it much this year. Uh, $5 Fridays. It's, we have a long drive that leads up our office. He sits there at 6.30, people start showing up. So he's sitting in a lawn chair and he's handing out $5 to every team member. And so, every, you know, you, so you never know on a Friday if you see Rick sitting in a lawn chair coming up the driveway and he's just got five bucks. And right. And so, um, and just people get a kick out of that. And, 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 and he, again, will always get pulled into our snow business. He loves our snow business. He loves our assets, our vehicle equipment, make sure they look good. But we keep telling him, like, you have the best stories. You are the best champion of this business and culture person. Just get out there and tell these stories every single day, and people will get behind you, us, you know. And I'm learning that skill set, too. I, I know that that's going to be an important part for my future. Awesome. Have you, uh, that, that made me think of uh, something I've been reading a lot about is, uh, you guys talked about yet, like, the business roundtable purpose of a corporation sort of changing from the old traditional maximize shareholder value is the reason that a corporation yeah. exists to now maximize, you know, sh stakeholder value. That story, Brett, just like with the physical aspect, there's a 50 acres, a pond, you know, that's the environmental piece you're given and taking care of your people. That's the people piece. I know you guys do excellent service for your clients. Um, and like sort of the last cog is that you do all those things and then magically, you know, the shareholders equity increases. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, you, you, you do, you get the tangible pieces that make the success as opposed to just saying the success at all costs, um, as far as making profit, generating equity. So I've been thinking a lot about that and that, that type of story really gets me going. So thanks for sharing that. But I, I got to come up and see that pond, by the way, anyway, we've on, got on a Friday. That's it. We, yes. And I, yeah, just picked the right Friday and uh, you're a little $5 richer. I've never gotten $5. I pull up. Uh, he, he puts his hand back in his pocket. I don't know. He's, he's looking for, fi he's looking for $5 yeah. from you. You owe, you owe me. Yeah. Yeah. He's looking, where's, where's that buy sell agreement here, Brett? Let me get that. Guy. Um. Awesome. That's cool. Um, I don't know if you all have any other questions for Paul, but um or Paul, well, I, yeah, I'll cool. say that I think Paul should be a reoccurring guest. You're, you're thoughtful and you're a reader. And, and, and what Miles, what, what we've all done is we've brought our stories and our thinking through this, right? And, uh, and you just need thought-provoking people to be on, to share their stories, right? Or share their ideas. It's not about like, you know, what we've done, right? In our businesses, it's about what we're learning. And I haven't figured this out, but I just want to throw the statement out there, right? And let's all talk about it. And so... Uh, Paul, you've got the right frame of reference. I think that be it our, our listeners should have young professional or not, or uh, what a business leader needs to have to, to make sure their team is really happy and the business just kicks it. I oh, appreciate it. This is, this is awesome. I had a ton of fun and I've, I'm going to listen to all of the episodes now. I told you guys, I listened to a couple of them, but uh, this format just allows for that conversation. I learned, I, I've been wanting to take notes uh, this whole time through our conversation. So uh, the only thing else I wanted to share, and I just think it's important this year, especially, um, I talked about this in a, a upcoming panel for landscapes, virtual landscape plug there, sign up for that. Um, but anyway, uh, 
uh, and I've talked about, about this with my team is just, uh, so dealing with sort of uncertainty, anxiety, and being able to talk about those things. Um, so I've been really open with my team and anybody that I can talk to about it is it, it's super stressful to manage a business or to be a manager of a business. Um, I go see a therapist like every three to four weeks and it's been a game changer for me. Uh, I've done a lot of like meditation and things like that to help myself deal with all this anxiety. But the part that's really changed our business is by me talking about that. I've had people come to me and ask for help. Um, I think the last thing any of us ever want is, you know, somebody to do something stupid. I had a friend kill himself this spring, a uh, fellow green industry business owner. And so that's why I just wanted to bring that to the table is like, uh, either one, you can call me, listen to this podcast, go see a therapist, but just, you know, know that that's okay. And it's not something we talk about a lot. You know, we talk about all the sexy things of running a business or our ideas, but this, this stuff's hard, you know, and, and it can take a toll on you. So uh, just reach out. I just wanted to share that because, you know, my friend was super close to me and it's, it's something I've been trying to, to sort of share with the world. Mm. Yeah, right on. I, we're, I think the, the saying has been better together, right? It's been said a lot throughout this whole piece and uh, very true in that, that story. Thank yeah. you, Paul. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing, Paul. Well, you hit it too. It's business. I mean, oftentimes if someone's not performing, it has nothing to do with, if they've been performing, they're doing poorly. It, you, you go and ask them, you know, what's going on in your life, you know, and that's usually where you find the answer in people. And yeah. So it's good for business too, I guess. Listen to some of the podcasts. You're, I'm sure you're familiar with the Rose and Thorn is, right? Did uh, or maybe I he missed that part. He didn't, oh, he he didn't listen to the end. He's listening to snippets of oh, it. The preview. There it is. There it is. The truth comes <laughs> out. Uh-oh. But anyway, so the Rose and Thorn is a little, little section here at the end that we just go over what's going well in our week, what's not, and the, uh, Obviously, the rose is a good thing. Thorns the not so great thing, and uh, yeah, we just share that at the end of the podcast. So, <laughs> all right, do I start? I can start. Yeah, we'll all give right. you some time to think about it. Um, so my my rose has been uh, has been that I've been learning a lot of lessons off of my thorn. I guess uh, my thorn has been like my time is just feels like it's been stolen by like everybody and everything. So like when I look at my calendar, it's like. Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting, all the way from like 7.30 to, you know, like 3.30, 4 o'clock. And while they're productive, right, and they're good things, um, it just, when you reach the end of the day, it feels like your time was just like stolen, right? You're like, and you just feel empty. It's like, it's just a terrible feeling. Um, but through that, it's, it's been a huge growing lesson because uh, I've actually recognized that the need because I'm used to doing everything myself, right? And I have the capacity to do everything myself. The need of like getting help of other people and asking other people to take on initiatives or projects that you can't get to. And it's so rewarding when someone actually takes that project and does it and says like, hey, I did this. What do you think? And you're like, oh, this is like better than I could do like right now. So, um, so that's like a rose and thorn combined, but that's been like an awesome thing this past week that, um, that, it's just like, you know, it's just a lesson that I'm just happy that I've, I've learned um, that I'm sure more people experience in their careers have experienced that already. But like, I finally grasped the whole concept of why having good team members is important when you're overwhelmed because, <laughs> uh, because that actually happened. So was, that's, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much my rose and thorn. Well, I got to send you the Eisenhower matrix miles <clears throat> to start taking control of that. 
And if you're taking notes for future podcast episodes, put down time management. Let's talk about that sometime too. Well, yeah, I mean, the effective executive has helped me a lot. You know, yeah. that's the book I keep on talking about. That yeah. that's for sure helped me. But um, but this isn't that segment. All right. So yeah. my Rosenthorn, <laughs> um, Paul, Paul's our Paul's our Omaha connection. So <clears throat> Gallup just sent me this morning their tenth meta study on employee engagement. It's the biggest one ever. They they uh, measured 2.7 some million employees globally and released all new numbers. And it's awesome. They're way higher. Like absenteeism for engaged teams goes down 81%. We used to think that it was only 41%. Um, Profitability for engaged teams goes up 23%. We used to think it was only 19%. Um, So the, the numbers are better the more we learn about engagement, which this is what I do is help teams measure it. Um, the, the thorn is I have to go update so many places, this information. <laughs> like I can't even tell you how many videos and documents and stuff that are now out of date and under underselling the value of uh, engaged teams. So that's going to be my project, I think, for the next couple of weeks. Um, I'll go. I'll, uh, I've got a uh, wonderful, we got long weekend, holiday weekend here coming up. So we're heading up into the Adirondacks, our, our family's favorite place, fall color up here. It's like they said it's peak up there. So little relaxing family time, newfound thoughts. Uh, again, I found my way back to the HBR's IdeaCast podcast. So I'm going to have some of that. And then this conversation, again, just has been validating to that piece there. Um, no thorns. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I think this has been a good week and I got, some time after this podcast to digest now instead of being at the end, near the end of the day. So this is another positive. So um, just uh, appreciate it beyond this call with you, you fine folks. So uh, for me, I think I've got a, got a handful of roses right now, uh, kind of speaking a little bit more to what we were talking about today with, you know, long-term planning and things We're we're going through some strategic planning right now and uh, looking into the years ahead at Mariani and had the opportunity to sit down with uh, one of my bosses and be a part of that a little bit. And it's, uh, it's something a little bit different, something I haven't been a part of um, since I've been here. So uh, cool to do that. Cool to see, you know, the direction we want to take this company in and, and such, um, uh, you know, kind of what Brett said too, I think, uh, fall colors around here right now are, I mean, they're, they're booming and it, it's great to see. Uh, but it's also a reminder that the snow is going to fly not too soon. And we've got, uh, quite a bit of work still to try and finish up before the, before the end of the year. So, uh, thankful that we're, we're still very busy at this time of the year and, keeping guys going. So um, that's really all I got. I'm, I, I don't really have any thorns uh, going on right now either. Well, this is uh, to my own heart. We do this at our dinner table with our meetings. And then I don't know if you guys have talked to anybody in EL, uh, Entrepreneurial Organization. We should really look that up. They do this gestalt sharing. That's just like this. So anyway, I'll start with the thorns. Uh, we did lose a, a project manager, a crucial employee here in the last week. He was, he's moving to Denver, so it was a you know mutual happy for him, but it's still a hell of a lot of work. Um, my sister, although this is kind of a rose, but she uh, her stage four cancer kind of got worse in her liver. She did a pretty aggressive chemo treatment, hence why I have my shaved hair right now. 
uh, just in support of her, but she's still kind of recovering. So we'll, we'll call that one in the middle. Um, roses, this backs up a little bit, but I got married. And anyway, I've been really stressed this last week. Uh, work, as I mentioned, someone leaving, some personal issues. But my wife is the most non-judgmental person that I've ever met. And I've realized, like, I've always talked about it and I've always aspired to it. But uh, to actually have a model of what it looks like uh, when I'm stressed and she doesn't, she doesn't fix it, no advice, just listens. And it, it's, it's so refreshing. I've never had, like, a relationship truly like that. And I just, I learned so much from her all the time. Um, so it's just kind of cool to have somebody that has your back like that. And um, so that's, that's definitely a rose. Um, speaking of roses, because there'll be good ones next week, uh, there's one week, this is my board member obligation. Uh, virtual Landscapes is next week. So if you're listening to this podcast, get off of this and then go register for it. It's going to be really cool. Unlike the other ones where you have to pick and choose which session you're going to go to, you can listen to all of them for the course of the year. And uh, hopefully there'll be as engaging conversations as today's, but uh, there's a ton of great speakers on there. So I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And, and just to reiterate, right, we got a Young Professionals uh, Zuma Champions table. Uh, Luke and I are on it. So uh, that'll be cool. I think Neil's got a table too, right? Your, your championing table? I've got a table on employee engagement, uh, which I just mentioned. And I've got a talk on uh, what um, the modern workforce wants um, out of a job. And most exciting for me, we have a uh, Young Professionals networking opportunity. Right. So definitely uh, get in on that one. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Paul, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate having you on the podcast, uh, for sure. We hope to have you on again. Um, and also a big thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review. Also share it with your friends or coworkers. I hope you have a great day, guys. You too, Miles. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, thanks Paul. guys. This is awesome. Appreciate right, that's it. it.